Make room for whimsy. It's Persiflage the Podcast, jamming high-quality nonsense right into your ears. Tired of paying for food? Why not learn how to forage from one of Manitoba's greatest urban hunter-gatherers? Big Pete is consistently in the top 14 of all hunter-gatherers, as rated by the Hunter-Gatherer Institute of Lower Fort Rouge. Now BP is sharing his knowledge in his monograph, Finding Stuff to Eat, available from Pete himself. Just hang around the Safeway at River and Osborne and he will come up and sell you one. Prices will vary according to Pete's mood. Anyone who witnessed a small accident in my pants last Thursday, please keep it to yourself. News Roundup. It's time for the News Roundup. In this episode, the news takes a slightly different format in that there will be three pieces mostly concerned with lifestyles issues and not what you might have come to expect from persiflage hard news anyway here goes the importance of flossing nobody likes looking at stuff in your teeth and yes i mean your teeth there's been a lot of comment lately and the only really good way to avoid having stuff in your stuck in your teeth is to floss. For those of you who don't know, flossing consists of dragging a piece of wax thread back and forth between your teeth until your gums bleed. The blood flows freely down between your teeth and flushes away any wayward food particles or anything else that may have become lodged there. Flossing was invented by Dr. David Floss, a dentist, try to suppress your surprise, as a punishment for his children, whom he was none too keen on. But he found that by convincing others, primarily dental hygienists that he was dating, that it was an effective dental prevention technique, he could make quite a lot of money. If you're like me, and let's hope you're not, then you will have long ago learned to live in harmony with the small bits of food, flora, and fauna living peacefully in the gaps between your teeth. But if you're one of those individuals who is easily cowed by the disdain of others, then floss away, my friend. Running may be good for your nose. A recent study conducted by the University of Heidelberg, Go Dueling Scars, indicates that running may improve your nose's ability to smell. Professor Giel von Friel stated that in a triple-blind study she conducted over a two-year period while waiting for a bus, that one group did not run at all, and their noses smelled just like regular noses. But a second group that ran for 14 and three-quarter minutes every second Thursday, their noses smelled faintly of something like almonds but nicer. A word of caution, though, Dr. Von Friel revealed that the noses of a third group that ran for an hour every day just smelled sweaty. Socks, good for your feet and your shoes. You can reduce stink and wear. Although many people in this society wear shoes, very few have yet to cotton on to the idea of socks. For some reason, folks in this neck of the woods have traditionally worn their shoes right over their bare feet, and this has resulted in a number of problems. First off, there is the problem of odor. 
Because shoes are usually made of some heavier material, such as bakelite or wood, they do not lend themselves to repeated washing. So your stinky feet end up leaving their atrocious smell on these things for months. If you were to place socks between your feet and your shoes, these could easily be discarded after each use, or conversely washed, thereby leaving your heavy outer footwear stench free. Toothly, there is the question of wear. Socks protect your shoes from the evil machinations of your feet, which are very tiring to your clogs. If your booties, etc., are protected from your feet, they will no doubt last longer and, no doubt, save you money in the long run. And isn't that a good thing? Idleness in the Information Age When Jerome K. Jerome penned his seminal classic, Idle Thoughts of an Idle Fellow, in 1886, the world had not yet begun to experience the unbridled joys of the 24-hour news cycle, ubiquitous social media, and the smartphone. In those halcyon days, it was relatively easy to isolate oneself from whatever distractions existed, things like handwritten notes and roving newsboys, and lounge heavily. A short amble down a country lane would take you far from the maddening crowd, and there you could relax and take your ease. You could sit and look at a tree for hours with impunity. Nowadays, of course, a search party would be dispatched if you went 45 minutes without tweeting about your activities or posting photos of said tree on Instagram. Of course, there are many positive benefits that have accrued from the meteoric rise of the internet, cell phones, and the like. For instance, one no longer needs to don a fake beard in order to purchase pornographic materials from the corner store. And having a cell phone enables one to waffle almost endlessly when choosing a meeting place for drinks. But these rewards have come at some cost. Regular visitors to Persiflage will know that one of my great hobbies is not being pestered by people. I have, in fact, been engaging in this practice since I was a mere tyke. Over the years, I have found that the key to the successful pursuit of this activity lies in putting sufficient physical and mental distance between yourself and others to cause them to become insignificant specks on the horizon. I've become quite skilled at doing this. My own natural sense of superiority has made me better at this than most. Now, with the advent of these more intrusive technologies, I feel as if my intellectual defenses have been pricked so full of holes that they possess the porosity of the average flower sifter. Sure, the lumpier bits are kept out, but the bulk of the annoying stuff is still making it through. I am no longer able to spend long, languid days uninterrupted by the mundane, trivial foolishness of the great masses of Homo sapiens sapiens who are currently cluttering up the globe. Now that I check my Twitter account 133 times a day, I am constantly bombarded by information I neither want nor need. 
Add to this the time I spend texting and updating my various social media profiles, and the amount of mental real estate now occupied by my great masses of passwords, and it must be clear, even to you, why I no longer have any true leisure time. So what? I see you have tweeted. Well, my uninterrupted contemplative hours are the wellspring of my creative process. Without them, I cannot be expected to pen the brilliant essays filled with the startlingly penetrative insights for which I have become justifiably famous. Reduced to a state of slavery by my various technological tools, now the only works that I am capable of producing are inconsequential little filler pieces. Like this. And isn't that a little bit sad? The following is an advertisement. Lost. One golden retriever. Answers to the name Charles the Almighty and Powerful Omnipotent Ruler of the Dog Universe. Or Chuckles. When last seen, he was wearing a red and white bandana around his neck and a fairly garish smoking jacket with his family's crest emblazoned on the upper right hand, or paw, pocket. Actually, the bandana is more like an ascot. Sometimes friendly and sometimes not. Approach with caution, but don't be a jerk about it. No reward. It's story time. And here it is. This episode's story. Esmeralda on the unbelievable day of mailing things with a bear. Once upon a time, there was a girl named Esmeralda who had a friend who lived in a faraway place called Toronto. One day she, that would be Esmeralda, decided that she would mail a present to her friend. There was no overt reason for this. It was not her friend's birthday, and it was not any recognized holiday that Esmeralda had ever heard of. She just felt like it. Esmeralda was a strong believer in taking a bear with her whenever she went to a government office. She had learned that lesson the hard way. And so when she took her friend's present to the post office, she also took her friend Palermo, who happened to be a bear. Palermo and Esmeralda waited patiently in line at Canada Post. And then, when their turn came, Esmeralda stepped up to the counter and mailed the small brown paper wrapped package that she had previously prepared for her friend. Then, their official business concluded, the two friends departed the postal outlet. Afterwards, as she and Palermo were standing on Graham Avenue waiting for their bus home, Esmeralda turned to the bear and said to him, Maybe I should have put something in the package. This seemed a very sound idea to her ursine pal, and so Esmeralda and Palermo went into a nearby pharmacy to find some small thing that she might send to her friend in Toronto, which would follow rather nicely a brown paper package tied up with string. Palermo, as is often the case with bears, was full of suggestions. He thought Esmeralda's friend might like some kitten whiskers, or some warm woolen mittens, or possibly even a raindrop plucked from a rose and stored in a small vial. Esmeralda thought these ideas were dumb, but as she did not want to anger the bear, she went along with all of them. This ran into a bit of money, especially as the two found these things gradually and had each of them individually wrapped and sent. 
Every time they found something new, they made yet another trip to the post office to mail it. Pretty much the entire day was taken up by this activity. Finally, just before six, Esmeralda and the bear Palermo mailed the last package. It contained a doorbell, a sleigh bell, and some schnitzel with noodles. This last was safely stored inside a Tupperware container. Then, very tired from their trying day, both Esmeralda and the bear Palermo headed home. They both fell asleep on the number 60 bus somewhere on Pemina near McGilvery Boulevard. Two weeks later, Esmeralda received the first of the packages in her mail. She had used the wrong address. The end. That's it. That's all. Podcast is over. Remove your headphones.